tonight at Ground Zero meetings, we're going to continue to go down our our Bible teachings, and, and tonight's lesson is on Ecclesiastes. You know, this is considered part of the wisdom books in the Bible. You know, we estimate that the author of it was King Solomon, but sometimes they're not 100% sure because they didn't really sign it. But, you know, everything is kind of pointing to that he was the author of this. You know, it talks about a teacher, you know, and a teacher is trying to teach through the book, you know, trying to to let us know, you know, what the the grand picture is. You know, and if some of us have read this book, you know, it, it seems like, you know, what's the point? You know, and that's basically what Solomon is saying, that everything in this life is worthless. You know, everything has meaningless. But in the English translation, you know, that's the way we best translate, you know, the Hebrew word, you know, hevel. You know, and hevel doesn't necessarily mean worthless. It's kind of like smoke. You know, it looks one way, but it's a different way. You know, that smoke can look tangible, you know, and then you put your hand through it and it's invisible. <clears throat> you know, that there's times in our life that that we try to, to rest on things or we try to trust in things and it's not there. You know, so it's it's this paradox that he's trying to paint <clears throat> that that we try to do things, you know, and, and create things and go down certain paths of life and then we get to a certain point and it's like smoke. You know, we, we try to hang on to certain things and, and it gets peeled away from us. You know, over 39 times this word Havel, Hevel, is mentioned. You know, so 38 times. The book's not very big. So this is kind of a main theme. So if you're reading it, you know, you're like, you know, you're, you know, you're hearing Solomon like, this is worthless. This is meaningless. This is worthless. This is meaningless. This is meaningless and this is worthless. This is meaningless and this is worthless. It's like, Okay, like what, what's the point? Like I'm already depressed, thanks so much. You know, but life can be this enigma or this paradox. You know, there's, there's times in our life that we have tried to, to build and tried to do things and we're doing our best and we're behaving and we try to grab on to something and all of a sudden it's like, where'd it go? And, I think that that's the, the point that Solomon's really trying to to make is that sometimes things seem solid and they get through our fingertips, you know. And and when we we try to grab onto the wrong thing and make it an ultimate thing, it's meaningless, you know. That Solomon is trying to paint this picture. You know, that he's considered the wisest man besides Jesus to ever live. You know, he was granted wisdom from God. You know, we, last week we were talking about the book of Proverbs, which had all this, you know, wisdom teaching in it, and that's just a fraction of what they say are, are Jewish parables. You know, so here's an, another book considered written by Solomon, and it's kind of the flip side of what we would say, you know, is, is good teaching. You know, but <clears throat> there's lots of times that we 
we think that there's beauty in something, there's goodness in something. You know, the world has a lot of things to offer us. And then we reach for those things and tragedy happens. You know, there's so many times that, you know, I hear people, you know, well, I'm ready to do this and I want to do that. You know, a lot of times in early recovery, you know, I'm ready to go back to work. And they grab onto something and it's not what they hoped. You know, they, I'm ready for a relationship and they grab onto the relationship and it's like smoke. Why? Because it, it can't sustain us. It can't fill us. You know, so if work or a relationship, money, status, school becomes my ultimate thing, when I reach for it, it's not there. And Solomon is trying to, to paint this picture that anytime that we reach for something and make it an ultimate thing, it's pointless. You know, he's sitting back from his, you know, and, and looking over his kingdom and seeing all the different things that are going on in life. And, you know, it's every time that somebody goes in a certain direction, it's like, it's pointless. You know, and it can be kind of depressing, you know, if you, you are not looking at the bigger picture of things. You know, we all have this strong sense of justice, but that doesn't mean that things don't go crazy in our life. You know, that bad things happen. You know, bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Like, if, you know, so once again, you know, if we're trying to behave ourselves and all of a sudden something happens, you know, we have a a trial in our life or something bad happened. It's like, well, why did this happen? I, I've been trying to do the right thing. And it's like if we don't take life on life's terms and don't accept that God has this purpose for certain things, that we can allow certain things to, to corrupt us or to bump us off the path because we had this picture in our mind that it was supposed to go a certain direction. And a lot of times, you know, it's so important that we destroy the way we think it ought to be. Because the way we think it ought to be doesn't normally happen, does it? I mean, those of us that have anxiety issues, that's nobody in this room, I'm talking about other people, that how many times I've been stuck in my head and those wheels are racing a million miles an hour. The amount of times that what I was thinking actually happened is a very, 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 very small percentage. That I, the gloom and doom and the, the fear and, you know, and then it pushes me and I, I have to do this and I have to do that and I gotta manipulate this person. I gotta, you know, get my will accomplished. All because I've projected a fear and I allowed that fear to be something solid, but technically if I was to really reach for it, it would be smoke. That so often we let our anxiety push us in certain directions, you know, and it seems solid. But what I end up reaching for is is not really there. The thing that I try to hang on to that to give me stability that's not God in that moment because my anxiety is teaching me over and over and over again that I need to do it my way because I can't trust God and I reach for it and it's not there. You know, <clears throat> you know, life has this unpredictable way of changing. You know, for me, I can think of several times in my life where I woke up one way and by the time I went to bed that night, my life was never going to be the same. And when I woke up that morning, I had no idea that that life 
circumstance, that thing that was going to happen that day, would ever happen. It wasn't even on the spectrum. You know, and life has a way of, of giving us curveballs. You know, and there's no way to truly anticipate for everything that tries to come our way. But in our anxiety, we're trying really hard to control everything so I don't get hurt. But the more that I try to hang on to the control, it's not there. It's not there. You know, that, you know, Solomon references this as like, life is like chasing the wind. You know, where does it come from? Where does it go? You know, and we can hear it, you know, and we can watch how it, it blows the trees. But if you're paying any attention in some of those storms, like one minute it's going this way, and the next minute it's going that way, and then it's going this way, and then it's back that way, you know, that if we're trying to chase the wind, where do we end up? <clears throat> you know, this teacher or the author is trying to prove this point, that all the ways that we try to find meaning and purpose in life are fleeting and pointless. They're hevel, hevel. You know, and, you know, I know for me, you know, as a young kid, the only thing that mattered was sports. Everything revolved around sports when I was a young kid, you know, a teenager, even into my 20s. Like, football and basketball were, you know, had to happen on a daily basis. You know, and if it was yucky outside, it didn't matter. I played in the rain. I played in the snow. I played you know, basketball by myself in the rain and in the snow. I've shoveled off the court so I could shoot hoops because that was my way of coping. That was my identity. However, in my 20s, when I blew out my knee, my identity was stripped from me, and I went into a deep and dark depression. You know, and then once again, you know, where I would say that I had a substance abuse problem, it turned into a dependence and an addiction because now I didn't have sports to relieve me of the chaos in my head. So I had to use drugs and alcohol, and the spiral went further and further down. So now I didn't identify as an athlete anymore. Now I'm an addict and an alcoholic. Now I'm a criminal. I keep going in and out of jail. And my identity has shifted as I've grabbed on to certain things to try to fix me or to try to cope or try to medicate or try to deal with the chaos that's going on in my mind and in my heart and in my life. And every time I try to grab onto one of these things to sustain me or to help me, it's not there. It's pointless. It's meaningless. It's like smoke. You know, and this is what Solomon is really trying to, to paint this picture, is that the more we try to grab onto certain things in life and rely on it, sometimes it's it's just not there. You know, he's... This, you know, he's deconstructing aspects of life that we value. It's like, why is that in the Bible? Why is this here? Like, why is Solomon, you know, pointing us in these directions? Because it seems like gloom and doom. Seems like, what's the point anyway? You know, and if you get stuck in this and aren't looking at the the bigger picture, you know, that we we lose, you know, motivation. You know, we hold dear to a lot of things that we put a lot of energy and emotion into things that are hevel, hevel. You know, I can only speak for myself. 
But there's been relationships in my life that I could not live without. And then they got stripped from me. And I went into a deep, dark depression because the girl was everything. You know, and I don't know how many times I prayed for God to put the girl back because she belongs in my life. And God's like, yeah, no. You know, I remember one time when I first started coming to church and I was still wrestling with this. And, you know, this is where good theological doctrine, Christian teaching tells us that if we pray for anything in Jesus' name, then we get the desires of our heart. So I'm praying for a sinful relationship to come back into my life in Jesus' name. Makes complete sense. It's like the worst thing that you can tell a baby Christian. Because I'm praying for the desires of my heart, which are all sinful. I'm just talking about me, none of you. And someone asked me, if God brought her back in your life, would you be able to stay pure with her? And I'm like, hell no. That's not the point. But I'm praying for God to bring me something that inevitably was hurting me. So God stripped me from it. Which now I'm very grateful for that because the brokenness that that relationship led me to and from led me to Jesus. Because I wasn't able to turn off the pain in my old coping mechanism ways. That there was this thing going on in my heart and I had no way to change it. And it led me further and further down the the rabbit hole and it led me to Jesus. You know, I believe that the author, the teacher that's in this book is trying to really break us free from denial, which we love so much. We love coming out of denial. It's like one of our most favorite things to do. We really appreciate it when God strips us of our delusions and we stand there raw and naked and vulnerable and we're like, I hate my life. (laughs) Praise God. You know, because what Solomon is trying to do is is let us know that none of these things will ever satisfy you. Money, career, people, you know, even wisdom, folly, pleasure, you know, any of these things that we, we pursue wholeheartedly leave us grasping for the air. You know, he's giving us this dose of reality. You know, basically he's telling us that everything is meaningless. Because of time and death. You know, he goes into this teaching about time and death. You know, because the point that he's trying to make, no matter how hard that we work, and no matter how much wealth we accumulate, at some point you're going to die. And even if we bury you with that, someone else is going to come along and dig it up. You can't spend that after you die. Like, that's going to belong to somebody else. It could get passed on to your kids, and then they don't even appreciate it, and they spend it drinking and partying, and all the the work that you've spent your entire life gets thrown to the wind. You know, if you spend your whole life chasing pleasure, you know, and and picking up prostitutes and and drinking and boozing and, and strong drink, that at some point your life is meaningless. You know, you could spend your whole life studying and, and, and learning all the, the great philosophies of the world and, and be known as a man of wisdom, but it's pointless. You could be a fool your whole life and do nothing, and there was nothing. You know, we spend our whole life working and achieving, 
because it gives us the satisfaction or it gives us the status. But we're trying to give certain things to people. You know, you know, I know just because I've worked with a lot of people and I don't personally have kids, but I always hear people like, I want to give my kids a better life than I had. You know, and that's just ingrained in the parent. Like, we don't want them to grow up the way we grew up. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but a lot of times, if we don't deal with our junk, we pass on our junk to our kids. You know, and this is where Jesus comes into the equation, and he changes up the game. But as long as we keep trying to grab for the old coping mechanisms, whether even if they're positive coping mechanisms, they're not Jesus, we pass on dysfunction. You know and what Solomon is saying that no matter what you do and no matter how hard you try to do it, time catches up with you. This march of time. Nothing ever really changes. We build cities, we build nations, they rise, they fall, we invent. But go climb a mountain and see how much it cares. Like you know, it's like all this ability that humans have. And the mountain look over us and say, foolish. You know, because the mountain stands the test of time. You know, and he starts referencing these things. You know, like, who cares? What's the point? It's meaningless. Hevel, hevel, it's smoke. You know, long before we came, and long after we're gone, those mountains will remain. You know... Most of us don't remember what our great-grandparents' names were. And we certainly don't know what their grandparents' names were. You know, and at some point, our great-grandchildren won't remember our names. You know, and we spend so much time focused on chaos in our lives, trying to managing things, to try to enforce our will upon things, But no one remembers our name. It's meaningless. It's pointless. It's hevel. It's hevel. You know, that, you know, we live here and we try to advance our family or we try to advance, you know, our, our lineage. But no one even remembers. Like, who remembers, you know, what person in our ancestry history is the one that actually brought us over to America? I don't know. Do any of you? No? I mean, we can study it. You know, there's ways. But it's not like common knowledge for most of us. You know, but that was a life-changing event. Like, what our family did, what that ancestor did to, to raise the money or became a slave that that moved them from one place on this earth to this place on this earth and the way they bounced around this country to get us to here... Most of us don't even know those stories. But without that, we wouldn't be here now. And yet we're not grateful the fact that we live in this free country and sometimes we're like, we hate this, and you know, I hate Obama, I hate Trump, and the government, and the state, and Cuomo. And it's like, it's a miracle that we live in this blessed country that nowhere else on earth is like America. And that somebody a long time ago fought to get here. And we technically don't even know what their names are. 
you know, so their life, as, as hard as they worked, as much as they went through to get us here, as far as work considered, is pointless. It's meaningless. But yet it had such a great impact on us that we don't even realize it. Because the test of time, things get wiped out. You know, a hundred years from now, no one's going to even know who we are. <clears throat> but the mountains will remain and the oceans will continue to crash in and bring the waves. And the sun will rise and the sun will set. Our lives are meaningless. Hevel, <laughs> hevel. You know, and we think about, you know, what we're struggling with right now. The thing that's on our plate right now. The thing that's consuming us right now. Not all, but most of us. That thing did not exist six months or a year ago. And technically the thing that's been driving us the most nuts right now won't be on our plate six months or a year from now. But today it's been driving us crazy. And time just keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. You know, and we have to, to, to open up our minds to the bigger picture. So often we get stuck in the moment. But Tom, one day at a time. Yeah. There's a principle there. But if I keep staring at my feet, I can't see where I'm going. You know, and the Bible tells us that we should have vision because without vision we'll perish. And so often we're staring at our feet and saying, I don't know where I'm going. And God's like, look at me. And we're like, I can't. You're, you're freaking me out. <laughs> because I can't control that. You know, where the one day of the time teaching comes in is like, you know, if you're tempted or you're struggling, just get through the day. And so often we try to make that, and it's like, well, I can just focus on today so I can procrastinate everything that's in the future. But if I don't change today, tomorrow will look the same. And so often we spend so much time worrying about the things that are out of our control that we don't really pay attention to the things that are in our control and change the little things that all of a sudden accumulate to real significant change because we're focused on the wrong things and we're not focused on what God is trying to do in our life and what he's trying to teach us in the moment and what he's trying to, to shape our character and break off character defects and uproot things and change things and impart things and guide us and build relationship and teach us that we're loved. No, it's this. This is all that matters. But a week from now, the thing that we stressed out about today, we won't even remember. I don't even remember what I ate a week ago or yesterday. <clears throat> You know, so often we get caught up in moments. But when we look at the bigger picture, how important is it? Now, that doesn't mean that what we're not going through doesn't have meaning or isn't important. But if I put it in the grand scheme of things of the test of time and my relationship with God, is what I've been stressing out, stressing about today bigger than the God that I believe in? And all of us would say, no. But yet today that thing was bigger than God because I was focused on it and not Him. You know, and when I focus on circumstances or I focus on trials or I focus on the gloom and doom of the future or I focus on my past and I focus on all the things that people have done wrong to me and I focus on all the things that I've done wrong, ah, I get so overwhelmed because where's God in the picture? He's nowhere to be found because I'm not looking to Him for my solution. I'm trying to do it my way. 
so I can be in control. And as I run for it and grasp for it, it slips through my finger. So he, he changes the, the topic from time that destroys everything that we work for to death, that at some point, no matter how hard you work, you're going to die. So what's the point? What's the point? You know, death is this great equalizer. It renders everything meaningless. Hevel, hevel. It devours the wise and the fool, the rich and the poor. No matter who you are and what you've done, good or bad, we're all going to die. Thanks, Solomon. That's a nice, peaceful, hopeful message. We appreciate that. But as this teacher is, you know, helping us to look at time and death, you know, and the, these heavy significances that no matter how much we try to succeed or try to have wealth or try to have social status or even pleasure, nothing will ever escape time and death. We think about and we stress about all these different things that we get worried about, but yet they don't matter. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need to do certain things. But the amount of significance we give it isn't even close to the amount of significance that we should be putting on our relationship with Jesus. Because he has a way of working all these things out. You know, so really, I mean, as you're kind of going through this, it's like, you know, you almost feel like if everything's meaningless, everything's pointless, then why don't I just give up? But yet, the years that I've let sin completely wreak havoc in my life, it did nothing for me but bring disaster. So even if I stop trying to pursue God and go back to my other ways, I don't escape. I just bring on more pain. So even if I try to escape life on life's terms, where do I go? Because if we run to the wrong relationship, it's empty. We run to the wrong career, it's empty. We run back to pleasures, to sin. We're always reaching for things, and nothing is ever able to sustain us. You know, you know, this teacher goes in and begins to acknowledge Proverbs and, and what we were talking about last week, that you know, living a life of wisdom and living a life of fear of the Lord will, will benefit you. But that too is hevel. Because no matter how hard you try, we never know that that day that is our last day. And even if we do live by all the wisdom in the Bible, does not mean that tragedy and trials and circumstances won't come our way. There's no way to control how things will take place in our life, even when we're trying to live in the box of being good. You know, how many times have we argued with God because we're trying to behave ourselves today and something happens that's out of our control or not the way we would have it. And we go, I'm doing okay, I'm doing good, I'm trying to behave. I've read my Bible today. And we throw a little temper tantrum because we don't want to deal with life on life's terms and we think that God should have it, you know, this clear sailing for us because now we're being behaving. You know, and, and that's not realistic. That through the wisdom and through the fear of the Lord, we are able to to handle those hurdles differently than we would have in the past. You know, 
Because we might die young. People that we love might die young. You know, even if we try to behave ourselves and live the perfect life, you know, it doesn't mean that tragedy might not take place. You know, and it's so important that we are paying attention that God is bigger than whatever it is that we're struggling with. You know, that wisdom can be meaningless. You know, because especially when we're trying to manipulate God and God's Word to force our own will. You know, there's times that we, you know, try to enforce certain scriptures because we pray them in Jesus' name because we're not trying to look at the other aspects of what God's trying to do in our life. So we name it and claim it and we, you know, try to, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But then I complain about everything that comes my way that's out of my control or not the way I should have it. You know, and it's so important that we realize that, you know, there's a bigger, there's a bigger plan. You know, you know, so really what is this point? What is this book really trying to teach us? You know, that everything's meaningless? You know, that, but there's this paradox. You know, as this book kind of comes to a close, you know, this teacher kind of begins to teach, you know, you know, show his revelations that everything under the sun is pointless. But the only thing that in, in life that really ever matters is God. You know, that you can eat, drink, and be merry, but life still happens. You know, we can try to live in a de- delusion. We can try to live under the influence, but life still happens. We can try to chase our dreams, but life still happens. You know, and what Solomon is beginning to, to unwind here is that it's several different times throughout the book as it's like at its gloom and doom at its worst. He points back to the gift of God. You know, and it's interesting, you know, because God is a gift. You know, many of us don't realize it, but he reached into our darkest day and began to point us in a new way. You know, most of us should be dead. By the way we lived our life and the way that we did things and the way we we run and gun, you know, life could have dealt us a different hand. But God reached in. Now, I don't know why some of our friends and family aren't here. I don't have that answer. What I do know is that God has something more for us. What that is for us control freaks, I don't have that answer either. You're welcome. What I do have is if you trust God and press into Him on a daily basis, He will guide you to this better life than you've ever known. That's not free of trials and tribulations. That's not free of circumstances that are out of our control. But what does begin to happen, no matter what we we try to reach for, whether it is success and whether it is money and whether it is pleasure that's not sin, whether it is status, that if we realize that at some point that could be taken from us, but our relationship with God can never be taken from us, that 
we allow our relationship with God to influence whatever those things are, rather than whatever those things are influence our relationship with God, they get put in the right context, in the right spot, and then God can use those things in our life, and we usually prosper in those ways, but not always. You know, there's been Christian businesses that have collapsed, and they weren't doing anything wrong. You know, society, you know, economics went a different way, and and things happened. But what does happen as we start pressing into God and not looking for enjoyment in all these other places that we find enjoyment in Him, we find satisfaction in Him, that we find enjoyment in the moment, that we find joy in the moment, we find joy in our week, we find joy in our month, we find joy in our life because we find our joy in Him instead of money or status or stuff or people or pleasure that we're finding joy in the only thing that can truly give us pure joy. And that's a relationship with God because we don't deserve it. It's a gift that He reached out into our lives and said, I'm going to awaken you. And He turned the lights on. Now why did I get picked? Why did you get picked? Why did the person in our family not get picked? Maybe it's not their time yet. I don't know. I don't have those answers. Only He does. You know, I've been asked several times, why does God do this stuff with you? All I can say is I try to lay my life down to the best of my ability and do it His way. That's the only answer I got. And there's times that I take my life back and I do it my way. But I catch myself faster and faster and say, you know what? Obedience is better than my will. Obedience is better than my will. You know, do I want my will to be accomplished? Absolutely. Does my will bring anything from pain? No. My will brings pain 100% of the time. I am convinced of that. Why do I try to take my will back? Because I'm special. (laughs) The best word I could come up with that wouldn't be inappropriate. We learn to enjoy our lives no matter what's going on around us. You know, we, we learn to enjoy our lives when the, when the check doesn't come in. We learn to enjoy our lives when the court stuff doesn't go our way. We learn to enjoy our lives when we don't get the job that we want. We learn to enjoy our lives when we don't get the promotion that we think. We get to enjoy our lives when we don't have any money in our pocket. We get to enjoy our lives when we still have to, to go through all these trials to get our kids back. We get to enjoy our lives when we have to work to go back to school. We get to enjoy our lives. Fill in the blank. Why? Because what gives me joy is a gift, and it's free, and it's here. That no matter what we do, if we seek God in the moment, that we find the joy that we're really looking for, because any time that we reach to any of these other things, it's like smoke. And it doesn't sustain us, and we can't really hang on to it. How many times do we think that we get the perfect job, and we're not there anymore? How many times do we think we get the perfect relationship? Sometimes they're not there, sometimes they are. But it's work. You don't wake up every day and be like, this is the greatest thing on earth. Like, no. You, you know, if you're in a relationship, you're fighting with that person. Why? Because it's two selfish people living under one roof trying to enforce their own will. Marriage. Everyone's excited. I'm not married, but I guarantee that that's true. I get to enjoy my life because Jesus has become the only thing that I want. I've got to release things in my, in my will, in my timing, because I want Him above anything else. 
that if it's not him and his way, I do not want it. Why? Because any time that I've tried to force my will, what happens to me is I get chaotic in my mind, I get anxious in my mind, I get angry, and I try to, get, to control and manipulate everything that's around me. Which brings more chaos, not only into my life, but everyone that's close to me. Why? Because I'm reaching for things that aren't happening my way, and I'm going to make it happen. Whether it destroys me and everyone around me or not. But when I hang on to Jesus, it becomes the only thing that's technically tangible that I can truly hang on to it. Because it's in here. And I have His Word, and through worship I can feel His presence, and I can talk to Him, and then if I can quiet my mind enough, He's talking back to me. And it's the only thing that matters in this life is living His way to the best of our ability and building this relationship with Him because He's the only one that can satisfy that hunger inside of us that we've reached in every, 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 every area in this world and it's not done anything but it's like reaching for smoke. You know, he begins to wind this down, which I never caught before until really kind of studying this. That Solomon boils this down and he uses this metaphor that God is a shepherd. And he uses his staff and his rod. But he also, you know, that some of them would have this goad. You know, and a goad is basically a sharp stick. And that anytime that the, the oxen or the mules that are, you know, yoked and they're plowing or pulling and they'd stop, they poke him with a stick. Got to keep moving. And isn't that what God does to us sometimes? That we're in our addiction and it's painful. Poke. Oop, got to get out of this. I'm in a sinful relationship and it's painful. Poke. Oop, got to get out of this. How many times we're in a painful situation and God's like, move. How many times that we're trying to enforce our will and it's not going the way we think it should and pain is happening? God's trying to move us. You know, I think about it, you know, in the context, you know, that we read it in AA, in the big book, it's, you know, the thought of a drink is like sticking your hand in a hot flame and you recoil from it. And that has grown into other areas of my life that, that sin is this thing I want to recoil from. I don't want to be sticking my hand in the hot flame and wondering why it's painful. That sin will always be painful. It will always leave me unsatisfied. That if I reach for sin, it's painful. Why? Because that's the way God made it. Things outside of His will bring pain. So that pain points us into His will. But on the other side of that, a goad is also a metaphor for the Word of God. That it pokes us and it points us to Him. You know, and the more that we read our Word, the more we get directed to Him. 
the more that we get into this deeper relationship with Him. You know, I believe that He's always trying to point us to Himself and to the best possible life that we could ever have. And the context that I grasp from that is that He's knitted us together from within the womb with a purpose and a destiny. That if I grab a hold of Him, the purpose I was utterly created begins to manifest through His will, not my own. That the destiny that He has in store for us begins to unfold. That our vision becomes, I want a deeper relationship with Jesus and whatever Jesus wants. Not like, I want to go on to do this and I want this and I want that and I want, I want, I want, I want. I want more Jesus. So as I have a vision to get more Jesus in my life, He begins to bring His purpose, begins to unfold, that I find more joy in His will than I will ever find outside of it. Is that easy sometimes? No. That's not in the Scripture that this is going to be easy, that you're going to go without temptation. But what is in there is that He will be with us no matter what we go through. That's the greatest promise that I read in the Bible other than the fact that we're saved because of His blood, but the fact that He's with us on our worst day as well as our our best day, that He's with us in the storm, that He's with us in the valley, He's with us here, He's with us there, that's an amazing promise that He is always, always with us, that we have nothing to truly fear because His love casts that fear out. So if I'm pressing into His love, no matter what I'm going through in the moment, that fear and that trying to control begins to to slip away because I realize that He's got me. There's a reason that I'm here. I don't always understand it, but He's pointing me to a better life. And if we keep that in context, that no matter how hard I'm trying to do it my way, it puts me in my tracks and I begin to stop and I say, you know what, Jesus, I need You. I need You to get me through this. i got to stop trying to manipulate and do it my way. i got to release control and trust You. Well, it's hard. I'm I'm hurting. I feel vulnerable. I feel perfect. Why? Because in those moments we we have this ability to press into Him and He becomes our comfort. He becomes our protector. He becomes our provider. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that casts it out. He's the one that deals with it. He's the one that as we press into Him, He shows us how much bigger He is than everything that's going on around us and even in us. You know, that Solomon breaks this down and says everything that you reach for is pointless except God and live in His way. Which I also find interesting in this text is that he is saying that nothing, nothing outlasts time and nothing can defeat death. But what he did not have the revelation of is Jesus Christ. Because we have an eternal life. And he destroyed the grave and death on the cross. That we now live with him And that same power that rose Him from the grave dwells within each and every one of us. That He goes with us no matter where we go. And that we don't have to worry about this life. It's because we have eternity with Him in the next. That we live the best possible way serving Him and that we find purpose in this life because of Him. And we lead everyone around us to to know Jesus through our struggles. One thing I've learned is we will never argue somebody because of our great theological doctrine into an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. 
Now, you can have great conversations and even debates with people. But when they watch us through struggle and we love them through whatever they're going through, it begins to screw them up. If we cast judgment and we tell them they need Jesus and they're going to hell, most likely they don't want anything to do with what we have to offer. But as we allow Jesus to, to move in our lives and that He becomes our everything and that we live according to His Word to the best of our ability, falling short every day, and when we go through a trial, we praise Him, that the people around us are being like, there's something different about Him now. There's nothing wrong with going after a career. There's nothing wrong with having schooling. There's nothing wrong with relationships. There's nothing wrong with pleasures that aren't sinful. There's nothing wrong with that stuff, but it can never sustain us. It can never truly satisfy us. The only thing that can ever do that is Jesus. And that's why he's saying that these things are meaningless. It's because he's looking for life's meaning. And he can't find it in all these other places. The only place that he can find it is in God and in God's Word. So I just really encourage you, no matter where you're at, in this, whether you're struggling with God or you're you know, working on that or you're far from Him, that I can say probably pretty confidently, as you've reached for other things, you've been left empty. So I, I just want to encourage each and every one of us that His mercy is new every morning and His grace is sufficient. That as we decide to make a new choice tomorrow or even right now and saying, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm going to lay this thing down. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to wait on that. I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to forgive myself. And we start living by His Word, we all of a sudden see that His purpose begin to come out, out of us. And then all of a sudden, it's so funny, the second we let go of something, we step into the path of somebody that needs to hear exactly what we just went through. Or am I the only one? How many times have we been obedient in a place that we've been struggling with and we run directly in the person that needs to hear exactly what we need to hear? It's like He's waiting for us to bring the next person. To hear about our testimony of how we struggled, but yet Jesus is the answer. And how often do we run into people and we tell them how awesome our career is going and how much money we made? When does that ever impact in somebody else's life? It can be a great conversation. It's like talking about the weather. It's pointless. But talking about Jesus is eternal. And it changed my life. And it's changed everybody's life in this room. And it changes everyone's life that we come in contact with. With that being said, would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we just thank you so much that you're right on time. Lord, we, we love you. We need you. Lord, help us to put in perspective where you are in our lives and, and how important that relationship with you is. Help us to put in perspective the things that we chase. There are certain things in life that are not bad on any level. But if we try to be satisfied by it, if we try to be sustained by it, 
we reach for things that aren't there. But Lord, help us to know as we reach for you, you'll always meet us in, in our lowest place and even in our highest place. Lord, that you're faithful, you're forgiving, you're loving, you're merciful, you're good. Lord, help us to know that no matter what we've done wrong, that you're always right there. And Lord, help us also to know that no matter how many things that we got going right, you're always right there. Because life has a way of throwing us curveballs. Life has a way of, of slipping through our fingers. So Lord, help us to press into you. No matter if we're rich or poor, no matter if we have wisdom or we're a fool, no matter if we've been reaching for pleasure or, or trying to, to live according to your word. Help us to know at any given moment we're going to need you. And as we grow in our relationship, we realize that you're with us each and every step of each and every day. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.